this was done at the highest levels, cloak and dagger diplomacy. Uh, it's amazing they managed to pull it off. I mean, I think there was probably four people knew it was happening. Yasir, Jay Monan, Jimmy Dunn, and Ed Hurley, and that's it. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out. Trying not to think what I'm thinking about. Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another Fire Drill podcast. Quite a big day in professional golf. Uh, the new world order is upon us. Live Golf, the PGA Tour, and the European Tour are merging. Many details to sort out, many subplots. Uh, have Michael Bamberger and Matt Janella on the line here to help us make sense of, of what's really a, a momentous moment for the entire sport. Gentlemen, what do we think? Well, let's begin with you, Alan. What do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, some people may know that I've been writing a book about this whole thing. I just turned it in a couple of days. I think the last chapter is going to get tweaked a little bit, um, uh, just a little. I think at first blush, this is a huge win for Live Golf. Uh, they now have access to every tour player. They're going to be on the TV tour uh, broadcast channels. Uh I think that this is this is Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour salvaging the best of a tough situation. I mean, the, the, the whole game was on this path of you know mutually assured destruction, to, to use an old um, Cold War term. I mean, it was it had become unsustainable. The, the tour was losing sponsors. A lot of the tournaments were going to wither and die. Um, Live was entrenched in its own business model that was never going to make money, and they have not been able to attract any kind of audience. Uh, through streaming or television. And so it was, a, it was kind of a question of who was going to blink first. And I think they blinked at the same time and just realized uh, we, we've, this is like trench warfare. Like both sides are just shelling each other, but no one's moving anywhere. And it's just a lot of casualties. And it, um, it, it made sense to, to put this all back together. But, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, Jay Monahan is now going to be reporting to his ex Excellency Yasir Al Rumayan, who's the chairman of the board of this new enterprise. You know, Jay's the CEO. But if there's any doubt about who 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 won this 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 war, I mean, Yasir is, is is the chairman of the board. He's the guy, and uh, so a lot of details still to be hashed out. But I think um, at first blush, to me, it's a monumental victory for Liv, and I think for the tour, it makes sense. They've 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 assured their long term future i mean they have now uh, unlimited money that they can tap into they can pay their players um they have this jazzy new product that they could slot in and the weakest parts of the schedule on on maybe some some tournaments that were struggling the live will just sort of take those over and and graft themselves on and um there's there's a there's there's an interesting um analog to this which is cricket you know i've been studying this uh, cricket was much like golf this very slow ponderous sport hidebound by tradition you know that's that's golf right and uh, 20 years ago they went to this thing called t20 which is a much jazzier shorter more consumable version of the sport and the, the popularity exploded not just for the new kind but it also made people appreciate the old way and cricket massively grew its audience and reinvented itself and you know live live could be that that's that sort of uh, product which is is different it's not for everyone michael's never going to watch those tournaments and that's okay but um you know they have attracted a younger audience i mean according to greg norman we don't have the receipts on this but 
you know, two thirds of, of the live audience is under 45, which is massive. I mean, the PGA tours audience is geriatric and they're always chasing those, those younger, younger golf fans. So, uh, you know, I think if you look at this as, you know, Greg Norman's word from the very beginning was additive. I, I think live golf could be additive to what the PGA tour is doing and it might be a, a better sport overall. So going forward on, do you think, will there never be weeks where there are live events and PJ tour events in the same week? And will PJ tour stars like Rory McIlroy, will they now be able to play in live events? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there'll be a unified schedule so that, um, they, they definitely won't be competing against each other. Um, you know, they'll, 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 they'll be a, they'll be, it'll, it'll make sense, right? How, how they put this whole thing together. And that, that's a win for both sides, not to, not to have tournaments on the same week. Rory's in a tough spot here. Um, is, is he going to want to play the live events and take the money and, and be part of the fun? I mean, maybe, but he's staked out such a tough position here. It'll be up to the players. They can play or, the, or not. I mean, if, if you want to play, if, if you're Rory and you just want to play all the old same tournaments you've always enjoyed, then those will be available to you. But there's going to be this whole other tour within a tour that, um, you know, all of his buddies are going to play. And uh, so, yeah, there's, you know, Rory, Rory's in, if, if you had to make a, a, a list of winners and losers, you know, Rory's probably at the top of the losers list in that he's staked his whole legacy on <clears throat> this battle and, and uh, they just kind of pulled the rug out from under him. So, um, how he handles this will be interesting. Um, you know, the, the Tiger Woods of the world, the Brandel Chamblees, you know, a lot of people have been so outspoken against Liv and now they are part of, they are part of the PGA Tour. So everyone's going to have to make peace with that. Matt, can I try a quick one for you here? Because you've been on both sides here so much. You've had this emotional distaste for the Saudis and what they represent in terms of criminal activity. Uh, and yet uh, the PGA Tour, you've been emotional about the PGA Tour as being this bureaucratic monster with no heart. Uh, yeah, I've, I've said all along, I, I just didn't think there was a good guy in the room. There was no one really to root for. I had lost borderline almost all interest in professional golf from a week-to-week basis. Um, I said majors were more, more major. I felt like world ranking uh, you know, world rankings needed to be addressed so that, um, you know, so that people who played golf globally in the world could be accounted for. It made no sense to me. I talked to enough players who went to live Graham McDowell, Dustin Johnson, Pat Perez, Brooks Kepka, Paul Casey, you know, uh, Lee Westwood, all, on and on, and certainly understood how and why they would do what they did and how they did it. Um, and I can see players like Rory uh, and people like Tiger, who's represented by Steinberg, who, you know, corralled that, that you know, collection of talent to protect the tour and protect legacy and history. Uh, you know, I saw both sides, but, you know, for me, I I shifted my focus to things like, you know, I'm working on the club pro crisis, you know, followed up with the crisis on superintendents, you know, things like municipal renovations and restorations, the game of golf. To me, this is not about the game of golf. This is not about the golf that we play day in and day out. The game that we love uh, that, that, you know, plucks this, the, the, you know, plucks our soul and, and brings us to places like Bandon dunes or the old course at St. Andrews. This is, you know, quote, 
New York Times new collectively owned for-profit entity. This is about business. This is about money. This is about something that probably should have happened 30 years ago when Norman was essentially, you know, uh, made Darth Vader of, of the game of golf versus Fincham in his attempt to grow the game globally. This is about the tour not sitting down from the word go and listening to what was being offered and, and, and the opportunities they, they had in front of them. We could have avoided a lot of this, you know, bitchery yeah. and bullshittery. <laughs> But, and but I think, think of all the think of all the fun we would have missed out on, Matt. Yeah, like, no, I mean, no, I mean, look, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, but I mean, honestly, um, you know, it took. I think it took somebody like a Jimmy Dunn, who, you know, you talk about blinking. I mean, Jimmy Dunn. This this is a guy who you needed adults in this room, and I'm not sure there were a lot of them. Uh, when there was all the the mudslinging and 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 name calling and bitchiness that was happening for the last you know better part of whatever eighteen months, and I I think of you know I just think get on with it, sort it out. I think it's better you know in a sense that there's going to be a ton of money. There was a ton of money being thrown around in the game of golf. There's going to be more, and there's just no way in my mind that Jay Monahan is not in charge of this. I know what you're saying, Alan. It's a big win for Liv, and I know there is a role uh, for Yasir, but I, there's no way that J- Jay Monahan's not in charge of this. Well, the tour will have a, a majority of, you know, the, the the note that Monahan sent to the players said that the tour would have a majority of votes on the board, and that the board, this new board of this new entity, is going to have to ratify everything. So for sure. Monahan and the Ed Hurley's and the Jimmy Dunn's who are going to be part of this board, they will help protect the interests of their players. And as they, they figure out where to slot the tournaments, how the fields get organized, the, the tour still has a say for sure. And they, they will be the administrative voice uh, without a doubt. And the Saudis have already gotten what they want. You know, they've gotten a seat at the table. This whole exercise was about being invited into the Western world and be- becoming legitimized and and creating something that, that they can they can have a say in a voice in they can bring home to Jeddah as as this big event you know kind of the Super Bowl of of the sport and so they've already gotten that so I'm sure they'll they're not going to put up a, a stink about whether the Kevin Streelman's the world uh, get access to these live events occasionally or the, the, the nitty gritty Jay Monahan will control. There's no doubt, but the big picture, um, you know, I mean, put it this way, like Ricky Fowler turned down $75 million offer from live golf. And there was a many, you know, there was tons of big offers on the table to the guys who stayed loyal to the tour. And now, uh, not only did it say, you know, Brooks got 130 million, Dustin got 150, Bryson got 135 up front. They own these franchises, the values of which just skyrocketed because now they're going to be on network TV. They're, these live events are going to become a big deal. They they still own the franchises like that. That live business model is intact. Now, I was talking to someone who's uh, has a, a leadership role in, in, in one of these franchises and he was he was over the moon this morning. He's like, you know, I made... I, I made a hundred million dollars while I was sleeping last night because these, 
this 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 live product is going to endure it's going to grow it's going to expand and now there there is a chance for for the tour players to uh, still get paid because these live teams are going to start recruiting like now everyone's going to want a Xander Shoffley and a Patrick Cantlay and uh, you know there's going to be this build out of these of these teams how's but, John Rom going to do yeah, John Rom's going to do well, but you know that 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 gold rush is uh, is over. You know they're they're not going to own a piece of the franchise. That, I mean, they'll get a, they'll get a little stake in it, but um, so you know the guys who who were loyal to the tour, who who did who carried the tour's water the last year. It's a it's a tough pill for them to swallow today because they they've they've lost out twice on the money, the upfront money and the equity of these franchises. But on the other hand, they're going to. Uh, you know, they're going to be playing for $20 million at least in these elevated events. I'm sure the live purses are going to go up. So it's not like, like any of the top players are going to be hurting, but uh, you know, this, this is a whole thing in golf. You had to pick a side and the guys who chose live uh, today is, is a glorious day for them. And for the PGA tour guys, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I, I think that's the bottom line. But Alan, how would that play out? If you're a Hideki or John Rahm, you're absolute star in the game. The live bottle is based on here's our series and you got to play in all of them. If you're Dustin Johnson, you're going to play in all of them. Now with these elevated events, you've got to agree to play in all of them. How would that play out in 24 and beyond 24? If you're Hideki, can you play just some of the live events and not all the live events? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, these are all the details that have, have, have yet to be figured out. But I think, I mean, to me, the best way to do it would be at the at these combined events, you have six live teams and then you have six tour teams. And you get like six or seven or eight Ryder Cups a year, uh, where um, uh, you, you know you keep you keep the the rosters somewhat intact um, on these live squads. And the, the, I don't I don't think there's going to be 14 co-sanctioned events. You know, there's still maybe a handful that are just the live product where they when they, they go over to Singapore or they go over to Australia, and maybe that's how they reward the loyalty of the guys who signed up early. They still have a, a place on their tour, but. If you had these mega events where then you, you you bring in these tour teams and they can align however they want, um, that's one way to do it. Or you could just fully integrate the rosters and and the tour guys will play in however many live events they're compelled to, whether it's six or eight or ten. But th- that's going to be a fundamental question they're going to have to answer is, is how do we let the players flow back and forth? You know, this, as part of the, the release this morning that was sent to the players, uh, the tour players, it did say that the – all the guys who who renounce the PJ Tour are, can now reapply for uh, for membership, and there was a funny line in there that Monahan said, "You know, this will be a complicated process." <laughs> yeah, no kidding, Jay. But um, so you know, I think you'll you'll get to see Phil play at Pebble Beach again, and you'll you'll get to see um, you know some of these guys can come back to their favorite events and um, how, what the what's the minimum they're going to have to play to retain their membership. There's it's really complex how you put it all together, but um, you know there that's what all these there's going to be a lot of more secret meetings in the in the months ahead. But um, they will they will sort it out. I, I think that you know there's going to be a mandate for Monahan to try and try and get as many players as they can into these these live events um but it's it's by design a small limited series so there's gonna be a lot of tension there you know the the journeymen have already been left out of the pga tours elevated events and now they're gonna get left out of the live events and so the, you know the class warfare in professional golf is gonna accelerate i think my michael i know you're so used to you know your your instinct is just to ask questions but what do you think well i i <laughs> 
I think this is a really, really big play by the Saudis going to the very, very top MBS. Uh, I think the PJ Tour tried to get into the real estate business, uh, going back to Dean Beeman days, and wasn't very good at it. Probably wasn't funded properly. Probably didn't have the right uh, creative impulse behind it. But I think that I think going right to the top, MBS is looking for a way to become uh, culturally significant in mainstream American life. Uh, not just have a seat on the board of any American company he wants to have, or at least uh, you know be in the room, if not he personally, but yes, he or somebody else. But just become part of mainstream corporate life, which is kind of hard to do when you've had the attitudes you've had towards women, towards gays, uh, gay people, transgender people. And um, it's, uh, it's rough for me on a personal basis because uh, golf has always had a certain separateness to it, uh, an otherness to it. And now it just kind of looks like everything else, uh, you know, chasing the dollar, chasing the dollar. Um, and uh, so it's, it's kind of rough to look at it that way. But, you know, anybody who's made a study of the Godfather knows that, you know, this is always how it plays. It is all business in the end and, and not personal. But I would say the Saudis getting really into um, uh, golf developments uh, golf is part of a wellness life. People wanting, people counting their steps and playing walking courses where you can count your steps and actually have fun at the same time. So I think they're going to, I think this is a big, big, huge international golf's minor golf's a niche sport, but, um, it's like, you know, why does FedEx make such a big bet on golf? It's, you know, whereas the NFL is the NFL and, Hundreds of millions of people watch uh, the Super Bowl. You never get, the, never will get a number like that for for an LA Open, Genesis Open, and Genesis Invitational. Um, but you're getting the people that you want to get. I think the Saudis figured out a way that they can get to the people they, they want to get to. Yeah, I mean, it's a key point. Is that, um, and I get into all this stuff in the book in, in great detail. I mean, MBS has staked his entire reign on this vision 2030, which is remaking the Saudi economy and society to, to modernize it, to Westernize it. And part of that is bringing in Western investment. You know, people always go to Saudi Arabia and they take the money. They, they want to bring businesses to Saudi Arabia. Like that's become a, a change is that if you want to do business in Saudi Arabia, you have to have a headquarters there. Your people have to live there because they'd always live in Dubai or they live in, um, somewhere else. And then they fly in and do their business. They leave because it wasn't that much fun to be in Saudi Arabia if you're, if you're Westernized. Right. And so part of the impetus to all this is, is to make it more attractive. That's why they're building these new cities. That's why they want these big sporting events. It's like something to do. So if you can get a couple PGA tour slash live events over in Saudi Arabia, that that's a, a wonderful distraction for your people. And then you host the business community, you leverage all the relationships um, so there's, as Michael suggests, there's some really powerful forces at play here and, um, it's, it's never been really about live golf and making money or breaking even it, it, it was a way to, to, to remake the economy. Like Saudi Arabia has 1500 miles of coastland and these incredible mountain ranges. You can put some of the best golf, you know, destinations anywhere if, if you do it right. And so if, if they can open up a whole tourist sector through golf, instead of, you know, people from London fly to Dubai to play golf in the winter because it's sunny, but 
I mean, Dubai is stuff, this flat, crowded city. There's, there's no good golf terrain there. If, if they can get everyone to go to, to Saudi Arabia instead and stay at the resorts and, um, that's, that's, that was always worth it to lose a, a billion dollars on live if, if they, if they could turn Saudi Arabia into this golfing destination. I mean, so there's, there's been this larger play here. It wasn't just about these little golf tournaments with music in the background. And so this just accelerates it. Now they're, now, now the PIF has access to all of the PGA Tour sponsors, to all of the relationships. Uh, I mean, this is a monumental victory for them is they're trying to reshape their economy and they're trying to become ingrained in, in these, these, these new sectors. So yeah, you have to have kind of a big picture perspective on what's really happening here. Part of Jay's problem, you know, his, his messaging throughout this has been very muddled. You know, it started out with its its legacy, not leverage. You know, he was trying to appeal to the better angels of of his golfers and say, forget the money. It's it's just all about the PGA Tour is a great place and we give to charity. And of course you want to be part of us. That didn't really work. All the guys went to live. So then he he he's his new message was you know, you've never had to apologize for, for being a PGA tour member. You know, he kind of went into this business of demonizing the Saudis that didn't really work. Guys kept going to live. I mean, he finally, he realized, okay, the only way to, 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 and he said, we're not, we, it's a, it's a arms race. We can't win it, but he tried to try to get into the arms race where he just it became about money. We're going to try and match the dollars and uh, through these elevated events and the pip and all these things. But then I think he realized that's not going to work because they just have more money than we do. So, um, there was an air of defeat, I thought, in, from Monaghan, and he was trying to play nice. Uh, but you know, his his new boss is sitting right next to him. You know, there's there's the chairman of this new entity, Yatsir, uh, His Excellency, who's you know Jay would never take the phone call from, never never take the meeting from, and all of a sudden uh, everything's flipped on him. So it's um, that was that was my my read. There's some funny backstory to that. Is that. Um, Nobody knew this was coming. I mean, I've been talking to highest level people at Live for weeks. There was no hint this was coming. And right before Yasir went on on that uh, interview, he called Brooks, he called Dustin, um, and he said, "Hey guys, this is happening." Like there was, there's no, there still hasn't been any internal uh, communication with the Live folks. At least as of half an hour ago, when we started taping this podcast, like I was, I called one of their top executives and. Uh, they were saying they were watching that that in, that that interview with with Jay and Yasir sitting next to each other, and this person said, "Did I take an edible this morning? Like, what is happening? Like, this is just impossible." And so, uh, this this was done at the highest levels, cloak and dagger diplomacy. Uh, it's amazing they managed to pull it off. I mean, I think there was probably four people knew it was happening: Yasir, Jay Monan, Jimmy Dunn, and Ed Hurley, and that's it. And I was texting with uh, Peter Malnati, who's a member of the board of directors of the PGA Tour. And he, I said, can we talk? He's like, I'm too stunned to even articulate any thoughts right now. It's just like e- even people in the, the inner sanctum of the PGA Tour were caught off guard by this. So it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a wild development. I mean, Monaghan's going to host a, um, a meeting, the, the player meeting this afternoon. It's Tuesday here. And um at the Canadian Open, would, that's going to be wild and rowdy, and things will start leaking out after that. But uh, can't emphasize enough that this this was a highly secretive endeavor, and it was it was basically done between Monahan and Yasir. And um, you know, Greg Norman didn't know this was happening even when right before that CNBC spot, Yasir called called Greg to tell him. So um, it's it's in the annals of of big time. Um, 
you know, sports thunderbolts, like this is near the top. Like this came out of nowhere for, for even the players involved and, and the key people on the ground. Well, Matt, just very good you. You've had such a good feel for club pros, the public game. You grew up playing public courses. You play a public course in, in San Diego. How do you think this is going to play out with just ordinary, everyday golfers? Oh, I just think I think people don't give as don't give. You know, I just I don't think I think a lot of the people I hang around with feel the same way that I do, which is it's all just a bunch of petty bitchiness amongst like really wealthy people who are getting wealthier. Um, and I think there was a general sense of um, disconnect from day to day, shot to shot, you know, tournament to tournament, trophy to trophy, check to check. I, you know, I just, I don't think the game was, was looking very good. Uh, with by having, you know, a right and a wrong, and who was right and who was wrong could be debated over and over, and it was playing out. Social media was playing out around, you know, fire pits or on first tees or you know, twelfth greens. It just was happening, and I think people are just tired of it. Uh, it seemed very obvious to me. Uh, neither model, you know, neither model was sustainable. We know we've heard from tournament directors about the tour actually kicking in the extra money to make elevated events elevated. So where was that money going to come from down the road? We've heard from tournament directors and sponsors that they were, you know, the 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 return on an investment wasn't going to match, uh, you know, the sort of the numbers. It was a numbers game was not coming out the right way tiger's gone you know the the game <laughs> phil is essentially gone you know to a certain degree or or close to it at the age of you know 52 53 years going on 53 years old so i mean something had to give here and we were going to come to some court cases in which a lot of uh, ugly you know details and information were going to come out that a lot of people probably didn't want to have a lot of important people were being deposed um and the fact is Jay didn't take the meeting and he represents the players. And that's that from the very get go was a big, big problem. Um, so, I mean, you know, one plus one equals two, and this is a numbers game. And uh, I'm just, I think what people are mostly shocked about is that it happened as fast as it did the way it did right now in the middle we're, we're two majors into the season we got two majors to go in a Ryder cup coming and it just it just happened yeah so this is i mean the Ryder cup becomes very interesting like um <laughs> especially on the european side because they had through these fines they had forced out this whole generation of potential captains and players uh, all of a sudden does does you know Sergio? He's not playing great, but he if he gets hot here this summer, do they? After all the all the bitterness and hard feelings, you know, John Ron wants him. They went three and zero at the last Ryder Cup as a team. Um, you know that poor Luke Donald's going to have to sort out that stuff. Um, what's going? Are they going to give Heinrich Stenson his captaincy back in two years? What they took away? I mean, there's. It, 
I, well, this is probably not an appropriate thing to say, but they're going to need like a truth and reconciliation process. You know, like some of these countries after they go through civil wars where they have, there's a tribunal that has to sort out all these complex issues because uh, there's a lot of stuff happened that, that's, that's been bruising. And, um, you know, Pelly had to take a hard line. He was trying to, trying to save his tour in a tough situation. But now uh, after you look at how, how much the European tour is withered without any of their stars. It's like, does he need, um, you know, Paul Casey and Ian Poulter at Lee Westwood when they, when they're playing in England, obviously oh. does he, does he need Martin Keimer for the German open? Of course. Does, does he need, uh, Sergio at the Spanish open? Yes. Like, so, uh, they're going to, what gonna happens have- to Keith Pelly? What happens to the DP world tour? Like, Everything just bumps, bumps down. Is uh, this? This is. There is going to be well, so much ripple effect and fallout from this, and it's going to keep going and going. I think this actually helps European Tour because it was, it was, it was slowly dying. Right, like they, they'd already committed to sending their ten best players every year to the PGA Tour as, as part of this new alliance. I mean, they had just become a feeder tour for, for the P, for the PGA Tour, and I think that. Um, now they can they can get they can get some of their old stars back. I think they can they can leverage a couple of these live events as, as part of their own schedule. Um, I think it'll probably help them because it, you know it was if you looked at who at their fields this year, there's been nobody of consequence playing in their tournaments, and I think this gives them a way back uh, nominally. I, I don't think they're going to be a huge player in this, but. Uh, they'd already kind of hitched their wagon to the PGA tour just to survive during this turbulent period. And now the tours is going to continue to look after their interests with more Saudi money with these new tournaments. And I think it's a small win for, for Europe, but we'll see how it, how it plays out. Alan, this is not really at all the, the most important thing, but I am interested. The PGA tour purses have increased greatly because there was competition, but now there is no competition. The, com- the, the competitors have, have combined. So what, where would the leverage come from to increase purses in the future? Like there's nowhere else to go now. There's just this one outfit. Yeah, but it's, it's not leverage, it's partnership. So that's going to be part of the deal. Like the PIF is buying into this new entity and that, that's going to be part of the promise. Like, okay, we've given you what you craved. You're now part of the golf ecosystem. In return, you need to commit to bumping up our purses 10% every year for the next, you know, decade or whatever it is. Like it's just, it's just going to be written into this, this new Alliance. And so they, they don't need competition. They now have, they now have the public investment fund, which is going to be worth a trillion dollars by 2025 uh, floating the whole thing. So, I mean, there's, there's a, the last chapter of my book, I was kind of forecasting what was going to happen. And there's a great line from Pat Perez who, who said to me, you know, the, the PGA tour is fucked because their whole model is about squeezing more and more money out of these corporations that are getting tired of, of, right. of being squeezed. Money like, and he said, yeah, our money comes out of the ground. And, um, and so, um, but Alan, the, if, if, the, if, the, if the PIF numbers, people say, you know what, we're, we're putting all this money in the game. We're not making anybody back. We're, do- we're doling out too much money in, in, in purse money in, in, in pr- prize, prize money. We're just cutting it all in half. What's to stop them from doing that? Where where could the guys go? Well, 
I mean, they're not going to do that because Yasir runs the PIF. He's the top guy at the public investment fund. He's also the, the chairman of Aramco, which is the world's most profitable company. So he controls the purse strings and he's all in on this. Like this has his, been his baby from the beginning. And now he's the chairman of this, of this new entity. He's on the board of directors. Like he's the guy, in, unless there's some major shakeup, you know, at the, uh, from his, his patron, the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, like, um, you know, they're committed, they're, they're going to be committed in writing to these things. So, uh, and th- that was always a talking point from Tor loyalists is, oh, the PIF could just lose interest and the whole thing could go away. But that's live, live golf has been hiring 15 people a month. Like they've been ramping up this whole time. There's, they, there, there was this move to become a little more fiscally responsible and keep track of the money, but they've never wavered. Uh, you know, the PIF has never wavered in its commitment. And so, um, they're not going anywhere and they have the purse strings and you know, now, now it becomes an easier sell for Jay Monahan because he, he was trying to sell a diminished product. Like, you know, I, I come back to Pebble Beats, you know, we'd get three stars every year, Phil, Dustin, and Jordan Spieth and, and Pebble Beats lost two out of those three. Um, now how happy was AT&T, you know, not very, but now you can, you can sell the game. It's like, okay, we're getting Cam Smith back. We're getting Dustin. We're getting Brooks. who's the dominant player in the sport. We're, we're getting all these guys back. And it, I think that that'll make, you know, the approach to corporate America a little bit easier. And again, the tour was not going to be able to keep getting 20, $25 million from corporations every year to fund these elevated events. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, now they can go back to it and say, Hey, give us 10 or 15. Like you used to, the PIF will fill in the rest. You get the energy of the elevated event and all the activations. And so it, it becomes easier to sell to corporate America, not harder. Yeah. The corporation becomes Saudi Arabia. So the PIF becomes the PIF. The PIF, as it was actually saying, they they bridge the gap, they connect the dots, and everyone plays in the same sandbox, literally. Yeah, and like there was this this news break about AT and T pulled out of the Byron Nelson. That was a big deal, uh, and then Raytheon Corporation was going to come in as the sponsor, and Monaghan nixed the deal because Raytheon sells missiles t- to Saudi Arabia, which is approved by the State Department. It was a weird bit of you know. Uh, virtue signaling by the commissioner. Well, now all these companies that have always wanted to do business in Saudi Arabia, but maybe they were they were squeamish. Like now they want they're going to start sponsoring tour events because that's how they can they can bridge that gap. Like they want it they want to get in on the Saudi market. Um, sponsor sponsor one of these events. Take all your people over there. Meet everyone. The amount of business that's going to get done in these corporate chalets is is monumental. And uh, so it's ironic because the tour had made. Saudi money so toxic, but that's what's going to, that's the whole calculus just changed. But, but, but again, the underlying hypocrisy to all of that anyway, was what kept getting thrown into, you know, Brandel and Eamon's face on a regular basis, which is all of these corporations have been doing big business with Saudi Arabia, including the United States of America for years now. So what, what, like that was just the underlining underlying hypocrisy to all of it to me that just okay what aboutism no it's just hypocrisy that's what it is that's the facts yeah yeah this this is this has been a clarifying moment and um you know it as michael said earlier it, in the end money always wins money remains it's undefeated business. it's and, business 
uh, it it can be it can be disheartening that that but that's just the world we live in and I, you know Monahan finally realized that and uh, so that that that's a that that's one of the headlines from today is like money remains undefeated again I I again and Michael like I think this is where you got you you and I always sort of you know parted ways was on the on this sort of topic which was the the PGA tour and the professional game just simply isn't as pure and beautiful and what we know to be the game that has given us all of these incredible moments, memories, camaraderie, and friendship and travel and culture and you know, uh, you know that they it's too. They are now talk about bifurcating the game. This is the ultimate bifurcation to me, in that it's very clear that the professional game is now the professional game, and it is money because it has been and needed to be more. And there was a disruption that undermined the the, the model, but in the meantime, like. We still have the game. We still have the game that we know and love. We still have opportunities to take the buddies trips and do what we do and play municipal golf. And, you know, I, I you know, you know what I think in my mind, it's like, I'm just glad it's over with, get on with it, do your money thing. And I'll watch when I want to watch or don't watch when I want to watch. And I'll always have that choice. But the game is my game. The game we love, the my game, which is you know the one that I try to play and, and and perfect and get better at, is still here. It's well said, and uh, you know to combine two thoughts from both of you, Alan, when you mentioned the, the Raytheon thing, that was only what maybe two weeks ago, if that on that show, you know that shows you that this was not in. I don't think Jay would have done what he did then had he known this was coming. And then to Matt's point, there was a lot of nasty stuff that was going to come out of the of this legal process, uh, and that may have, of course, uh, tipped the PJ Tour to realizing that we don't have the cards here. Jay already said from day one, we don't have the money. All right, then, you, all right, if you don't have the money, do you have the court system? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so then you've got to do, you know, the calculus of of modern life, the legal system, money public opinion. And then, you know, if, if the, if the cost for that is talking back, what, what, what is that phrase that people say? They, they take, Oh, they take, you know, they walk back, walk, pardon me. They, they walk back something. Well, they're, they're going to be walking back for the rest of their lives, but they don't have a choice. Well, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few things going on here. There, there was, there was the antitrust lawsuit and the, the tour countersuit against live and that was headed to to the Supreme Court. Like, um, you know, they were fighting about whether whether Yasir could be deposed. And there was some thinking that um, you know, Liv kept losing all these all these battles. That that at some point they were just going to pull the plug on the whole lawsuit because they didn't they didn't want to open the books of the public investment fund and and get into the have that come to light a day. So that was a big thing. But then the Department of Justice separately was doing its own antitrust investigation and. That last summer, that was that was going gangbusters, and then the lawsuits began, and the Department of Justice kind of stepped back, said, "Okay, we'll let the courts decide this." But as as all these procedural matters kept playing out, 
and the date of the lawsuit got bumped from um, you know twenty twenty three. You know, it was, was going to be in September of twenty three. Then it was going to be in January twenty four. Then it was of May twenty four. Uh, it became clear these lawsuits were, were years and years away. But the Department of Justice reengaged, and they 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 were doing a lot of interviews with players, agents. Um, officials and like Carlos Munoz, one of the live players, he told me like they took his phone. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Carlos Ortiz, excuse me, uh, Carlos Ortiz. They took his phone and they, they asked the passwords and they said, before, before they, t- they say, don't delete anything because we'll find it anyway. And then you just look guilty. And he's like, they take it for five or six hours and they extract everything you've ever thought or said or written. And they know your whole life. And that's obviously uncomfortable if you're, if you're Phil Nicholson. <laughs> If you're if you're a Jay Monahan, which and phone so, did they take of Phil's? How many? Yeah, how many yeah, you can't turn over all six of them. And so, um, so yeah, it, nobody wanted these things to play out. They were all going to lose. And meanwhile, the you know the the partners at these law firms billing two thousand dollars an hour is like you, the legal fees were going to run into the tens of millions of dollars if they haven't already. So making all that stuff go away was was in the best interest of both sides. You can't underrate how important that was because. Um, that that was this giant stink cloud, and it, it it was like this storm on the horizon, but it was getting closer now. The Department of Justice was reengaging. Those are not people you want to mess with. So, um, to your point, Michael, about why now, I think I think the Department of Justice getting more aggressive and more active. Um, that's part of it. I think having <laughs> AT and having losing Honda and losing AT and T as sponsors, um, and some of these other these other corporations pushing back with Monahan and him realizing, you know what, this is not sustainable. Like we've tapped our reserves to get through this, this wartime year of, of 2023, but what are we going to do in 24? If we're losing sponsors and we've made these commitments, where's the money going to come from? Um, I think live golf was realizing like, okay, we launched, that was a monumental achievement and they've gotten some traction. You know, they had big crowds in Australia, they had big crowds in Tulsa, they had really nice crowds in Singapore. I think it was catching on as this kind of fun, different, in-person, experiential ev- event. But their their ratings were so bad on the CW that they stopped reporting them because it was embarrassing, and they they were just not able to to scale their audience whatsoever. And so, how, how you know, it was a, it was seemed like a big deal to get a, a t- to get a TV contract on a, a decent network, but. It was it was failing miserably. So um, I think it was just this confluence of events where uh, both sides realized they looked around and said, "We just can't keep going like this. It just doesn't make sense." Um, and and once once they actually got in a room or at least got on a, a Zoom, uh, it, clearly it happened very quickly. But uh, you know, there's there's this letter that I reproduce in my book that it goes back to the the spring of to April of 2021 when the Saudis first approached Monahan. And to try and forge some kind of compromise, that was uh, that was their aim. Although there was a sort of built-in threat about um, they we're going to launch anyway, with or without you. But um, you know, Monahan never acknowledged it, and you know, he went to his ensuing board meeting and said, "We're at war." You know, we're at war with these guys, and and that that was he he kind of escalated it, and in the end, he didn't have the artillery to to keep it going. You know, it became a war of attrition, and it, it was clear that uh, that the tour was not going to be able to keep going. And uh, that I think that as soon as they realized that, as soon as they were honest with themselves, that the need for a compromise uh, accelerated. I will say, 
I mean, Alan Shipnuck. <laughs> I'm I'm just not sure there's anybody who knows more about all of this than you do. I mean, the <laughs> idea that better you not hit be. <laughs> send, the, the idea that you hit send on this book that is all about the fight for the soul of the game on Sunday, and this is Tuesday. <laughs> is just is just mind bending to me. I mean, winners and losers here. Obvious winners, Saudi Arabia. Obvious winners, Greg Norman. He gets one over on Tim Fincham. Finally, after thirty years, he 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 gets it up up and <laughs> yeah. over on Fincham. Phil Mickelson over Tiger Woods. Like John Rahm, uh, you know, it comes out l- looking good in that he 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 didn't take the money, but he also sort of you know played the role of like i'm you know i'm just i'm just focused on on my game and what i want to do and i picked this tour and i'm not bad mouthing or being bitchy to anybody rory gets absolutely rototilled here um uh and again and, for, and again for being for being a good you know loyal and willing to be the face i mean if i'm rory i am pissed pissed oh, yeah. And I'm sure. I wouldn't. Ag- I wouldn't agree on the Phil Tiger uh, part because uh, Phil has shown that he's all about the money and Tiger. And this is this is why sports fans respond to athletes for being athletes. Tiger has been. He really has been all about. I won 82 fucking PGA Tour events, and you're not taking that away from me. <laughs> well, uh, no, he, he can never do that. He can never compete there. But I, I, you know, look. Well, Tiger is Tiger, and he's just in a whole different category. But certainly, Phil gets a win here—a big, big win. And and obviously, we've learned a lot about Phil, and and we're going to continue to do so. And there's another book coming, and and everything is what it is. And I think everybody now uh, knows a lot more about the real Phil. And I think that always bothered Tiger is that Tiger took the heat for being who he was, and Phil got skated on sort of being who he was. But that that's definitely out now however this is a win for phil well i mean alan wrote this you know half a year or more ago uh was phil right yeah phil was right what phil said to Alan, i i when i read alan's book the phil book in manuscript form and it had that stuff in there about you know phil calling alan and saying what he said and then alan using it it didn't make that much impact on me because i just thought yeah he is right and so to your point, Matt, he, he has been proven correct that there was another way to look at this whole ecosystem, whether you like it or don't like it. Uh, uh, that's another thing, you know, for, for those of us who are, you know, idealists about life and golf, uh, it, the whole thing doesn't really, it doesn't set right. Um, but if you think the fight is bad for golf, then, uh, then at least if this means the end of fighting. Well, that that's good. I mean, you know, Japan was our sworn enemy, what seventy years ago. Now they're one of our best friends in the world. So you know, things can change over time. Well, the the other thing is, is I have to I have to think that the PGA Tour watching Augusta National and the PGA Championship and going. Uh, <laughs> that majors are way more major and that's where the best are coming together and the players championship minimalized without the defending champion. Like, you know, I, I, and, and the RNA saying, you know, we'll, and the U S open, we will remain opens cause that's, that's what they're going to do. I just, everything, again, everything 
led to this. It was going to come to this. And Alan, you know, per what you were saying, you had sort of reported and had foreshadow like it was coming. I think the bigger shock is that it just happened, that it happened yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, why now? I mean, I, I, the Masters and the PGA Championship are, are part of that story. I mean, Definitely. the Sunday at Augusta was the highest ratings it had in years. People were tuned in. They're, they're, the majors had become must-see because it was the only time you get all the top players. And for, for the PGA Tour not to have access to Brooks Kepka who is clearly the alpha of the entire sport. It just made no sense. Like, and I, you know, him, him winning wasn't, that's an important milestone. It's like, clearly these guys, their games were not going to degrade as, as people had, had feared. They, they were, they were not, they had not stopped trying because they, they'd gotten some, some guaranteed money, like the best players in every sport get. And so that, that's another brick in the wall. If, uh, you know, Brooks Koepka winning the PGA Championship is is looking even more impactful than it did a few weeks ago. And so, uh, Phil finishing second at the Masters. Phil finishing second. Brooks. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the the Phil factor here is really interesting. But getting back to Tiger and Rory, like, how can how can how can the game how can this new entity make things right to them? Well, you know, there's still room for a couple more franchises on Live Golf. You could get you could get two more groups out in a shotgun uh, to make it work. So, I think there's zero doubt that both Tiger and Rory will be offered a franchise. Now, whether they're going to want it or not, um, they both have plenty of money in the bank. But <laughs> it becomes a, it becomes a very interesting subplot, and it, in some ways, it's it's the best thing that could happen for them because they, they could have never benefited from from live golf the way they they'd stake their whole legacies. Now they can say, hey. This is the this is the PGA Tour event. I'm I'm just part of of, of the PGA Tour. I'm, I want to support these new events. It's good for golf. Like there's a little wiggle room that can bring them back, and they they can they can cash in. So I don't think the I, I don't think I don't think we know yet. I mean, they're both businessmen, right? Like they um, and uh, I think they, so. I, are they? I don't know. They're they're golfers. You know well, what I mean. Well, yeah, but they just founded this hokey league, you know, the tech infusion. What golf happens league. to the what happens to the simulator league? Yeah, the TGL. I mean, well, now they can now they can they can get Dustin, they can get Brooks, they can get Cam Smith. I mean, it probably helps them. You know, the problem for the PGA tour was that they had they had good golfers. They didn't have any real stars. I mean, Xander they had no Schoffler, bad guys. They had, they had no, all bad, the bad guys. guys left. There was they had no edge. I mean, Xander Shoffley, a super nice guy. Patrick Cantley, nice player, but like they don't. Colin Morikawa, Colin Morikawa, you know, no, like Will Zalatoris. I mean, come on, like Rom has a presence. Rom has elevated himself through all of this with his play and with his diplomacy. But you know, Scotty Scheffler, like night incredible golfer, but you know, boring as heck. Like, um, and he's probably never even said heck because it's too strong a word for him. Like. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the tour badly needed an infusion of personality and pizzazz and they just, they just got it. I mean, they, they just did. And, uh, if you look at this from the perspective of a fan, I think this is, this is going to be great for fans. They're getting all the players back. This, um, this, this weirdness of this period is going to dissipate. They're going to get these, these new events that, uh, could be fun. Like, 
I've been in, in, in the, the very small minority here. I really like the team component on Live. I've, been, I've enjoyed following it. Um, I think at the tournaments, it looks cool. All the guys in their uniforms. When you're out there, you can feel it's a palpable thing. Like I've been, I've been in scoring tent plenty of times now where everyone's looking for their teammate. What'd you shoot? You know, what's your number? It's this like when you're... Amazing. Okay. It's like when you're playing at a, a you know a member guest and you're you're following the scores of your buddies like um so I think this team thing could could really help golf because the last thing we need is more 72 hole stroke play it's so, just it's so tedious I, I said I said a long time ago after the Zurich classic brilliant move pivoted team event yeah. right two man team it it's differentiated itself just like you know, certain tournaments and courses have always different, you know, AT&T has always been the celebrity pro. I mean, it's the clam bake. Great. Okay. I have said all along, why wouldn't, why wouldn't all the lower level events create a similar team event type feel so that the guys like Xander and Cantley who like playing together could always play together in a series of four to six team events. And you have a simultaneous sort of team event running you know, a, a parallel to the PGA Tour season. So there's something else to be following while these team events are unfolding. Well, again, you know, how about Andy Gardner from the P Premier Golf League who came up with this whole kind yes. of concept that the Saudis then stole that now is in line now with the PGA. Poor, poor, how about poor Andy Gardner's got to be going like, uh, you know, I did kind of come up with this whole plan. Yes. And, I, yeah, and they never yeah. met with poor Andy. Poor Andy has got nothing. Yeah, he's Andy's sort of one of the tragic figures in in my book because he 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 literally sketches out in these legal notebooks and this idea that he came up with ten years ago as it it snaked its way through the entire ecosystem of golf and and now it's it's gone big time. But you know what what Liv tried to do and they've had some success is building these team identities regionally. You, you have the all Aussie team, you have. Um, you know, a, a Spanish speaking team, you have, uh, you have an all South African team. And now that the volume just gets turned way up on that, you know, Hideki had a huge offer from live. He turned down, but if he can, if he can anchor an all Asian team, like how much, how much appeal could that have? If you, you take one of these events and you play it in Japan, like cause you saw when live went to Australia, it was a big deal. And the Aussie guys were at the center of all of it. Like there is an idea there that can work. And um, how about Jordan, so Justin, Ricky, and Smiley Kaufman back in with Tiger as the captain <laughs> of the franchise? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Spring Break 2016 spring is back. Break. Like, Your team is literally Spring Break. All the people who've been constantly making fun of this team event and the names and the logos. I mean, have some. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah, it could be it could be fun, and you know, to the earlier discussion about Tiger versus Phil. I mean, part of the model for Live Golf is that the captains, some of these captains, were going to transition out of playing and just become like general managers. You know, no one expected Phil was going to keep playing forever, but it would be his team. He would run it. He would he would pick the players. He would make the trades. He would create a developmental system to to harvest young talent. So you could still have Tiger and Phil competing against each other through these teams. I mean, it, it could actually be fun. How about a final four of the team and the team versus team? It's college golf meets PGA Tour. I mean, the, the possibilities here are actually endless and oh, yeah. exciting. Now that we're sort of jumped this little hurdle of, of you know, hypocrisy and political bullshittery and financial greed and craziness and 
uh, egomaniacal, you know, oh, yeah. back channels and private meetings. And, and uh, I'm going to say this, but really mean this. And, uh, oh, shit, now I got egg on my face. I mean, all of this comes to a screeching halt. Well, that was part of the problem. And it's part of American life now. You have to stake out a position. You have to defend it to the death. There's no room for nuance or... Um, for you can't change your mind then you're a, you're a flip-flopper it's the worst it's the, you know that's what loses presidential elections when you get called a flip-flopper well a sign of intelligence is when you're presented with new information that you can you can synthesize it and and maybe maybe change your thinking and you know everyone had to hate the team events because they were they were pro tour anti live but the, the team stuff's fun and it could really work and the event at, at Doral last year was the best event of the year and if you followed it closely it was cool i mean you had they, they were playing individuals and teams at the same time. You had, you had Phil versus Cam Smith that had a lot of meaning. Uh, you, you know, in the end, the whole thing came down to Dustin and, and Cam Smith on the last hole. Dustin had to make this putt to win the team event. And like, it was, it was, it was the one live event that started even, even the tour loyalists on social media and stuff. I could detect some energy. They're like, Oh, this is interesting. And so, yeah, all, now it's going to be okay to, to embrace the team stuff. And, and the whole the products were already converging, right? I mean, the tour deciding the elevated events where it can have no cut, that was just a nod to reality that people want the stars to be there. And if you're asking companies to put this money in, you don't want Rory or whomever to miss the cut and be gone on the weekend. And so like like Andy Gardner slash the PGL slash Live Golf had figured this stuff out and it incorporated it. And and now that you know, now it's just going to become codified in, in what the PGA Tour is, and it just makes sense. All this stuff makes sense, and could have all been avoided. <laughs> could have, but it's but it needed it. You know, the tour needed it. That's why I. That's why I. I said what I said early on. I like that that there's a disruptor because at the end of the day, we're going to end up with a better product. It, it, that was the hope that at the end of the day, there's going to be a week where we might actually be able to watch a broadcast of what we call the PGA tour or professional golf without having to hear this nonstop complaint noise about what it is that we're being served as a, as a weekly product. It also just eliminates some total ridiculousness. Like the Ryder cup is, is the U S against Europe. For, it existed for 50 years before the, the European tour was even created. And somehow the tours have attached themselves to the Ryder Cup like these parasites just sucking all the money out of it. But I mean, why can't Lee Westwood be a captain? He'd be a great captain. Why can't Sergio team with John Rom? Like all, all this stuff had been grafted onto these events that didn't have to be there. And, you know, it, it, this, this, this resolution just eliminates like the, the, the world ranking was, was, had become a joke. It'd become, it'd become sure. totally irrelevant. And yet they were fighting tooth and nail to keep live out just because they felt like they had to, and they were trying to be loyal to these other interests. Like now the world ranking can just make sense again. You know, it's, there was so much tortured thinking because everyone had to t pick a side and they had to, they had to somehow defend it. And it was it was it was getting in the way of common sense and what's good for golf fans and what's good for the sport. So that's the best part of all of this is now things can just make sense again and players can play where they can play golf and and all the other pieces fall into place. So it is it is a, as a fan as an observer it, it's a relief that we can we can get away from some of the nonsense. I agree with that for sure.
Alan, what do you think this means for Brandel's future? Is Yasir going to be really happy seeing this guy on Golf Channel, uh, you know, 100 minutes a year? Yeah, I mean, I I like Brandel. I think he's really good at his job. Uh, he staked out a very specific position, and it was defensible. You know, he he was, you know, when when the Saudi international went on the European tour schedule, he spoke out against that. You know, he's, he's been consistent, um, all along. And, um, but I think he's going to have to modulate some of his rhetoric and he's going to, he's going to have to eat a little shit for a while because everyone else just decided he was wrong. I, I, I'm not saying he's wrong or right. I, I think what, what he said is, has, has been, has been on point in a lot of ways, but it, there's been so much of it. And same, same with Eamon. I mean, they've just come back to it over and over. It's become, um, it's become the defining part of their professional lives in some way. And um, definitely, the landscape has, has changed. But um, you know, I, I, I f- they're interesting characters. In, in you know, they, they're both in the book as well. It's like um, I don't begrudge them for having a strong point of view, um, but they. It turns out that. Um, you know that the the money interests are have overwhelmed any talk of morality, and so it doesn't make them wrong, but it means that that they chose the wrong side, and uh, that it's going to be a little complex to to work their way back. I think that's I think that's very well said. They're not they're not wrong. They just you know money always wins. Follow the dollar. It's a business. Yeah. And, well, would- you know, again, I, I think Brandel has a very critical role in this game. I've never worked with anyone who, you know, spends more time preparing, who can articulate a point the way he can on a regular basis. And I give him a lot of credit for taking a stand the way he did and how he did it. Uh, but you know the business of golf and the business of professional golf uh you know one out i mean you can't you can't it this is not about morality it never was this is not about actually being true right versus wrong this is business and that's what just transpired yeah, and it's it's interesting too because, you know, if when you when you get into the the, the debate about the right and wrong, I mean, was was the murder of, of Jamal Khashoggi an abomination? No, no one disputes that. Even the guys who play and live golf have, have said as much. But I mean, so so was what what the U.S. government did at Abu Ghraib, and you know, the extrajudicial drone bombings from Barack Obama, like. Our American foreign policy is not pure; it's not clean, and um, so when and that's you know Keith Pelley said this to me like when the European the European tour would have gone out of business a long time ago, the European tour would have gone out of business a long time ago if if they didn't they didn't play in in China and Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and Turkey and Qatar and and all these places that, that have very questionable human rights records, and so. Um, it's always been a business. It's always been a business decision for golf. And we got into this very tortured debate that kind of overwhelmed all the conversation around live, but it's, um, you know, sports is, has, 
has voted on this a long time ago. I mean, that's why we, you know, Russia hosts the Olympics. That's why the Olympics go to China. Like sports has, has been okay with going to these, these parts of the world for a very long time. I mean, the Olympic games in Berlin in 1936, like this, this is an old debate that it's always come back to the same answer is that, you know, sports can be a force that, that opens up the world. That's always what the live guys said. People rolled their eyes, but um, you know, if, if Saudi Arabia does want to modernize, if it does want to change, um, if if they are actively trying to to become a different place that's more more incorporated in the Western world, I mean the PJ Tour is going to be part of that, whether whether people like it or not. And so, um, it's it's definitely a very interesting subtext to all of this. But um, I just feel like the debate was 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 settled a long time ago. If we're gonna if we're gonna host at Olympic games in Russia while they're invading uh, Crimea, like, uh, you know, sports fans have kind of, they've, they've said all along, we don't care. We just want our sports. We want to watch, we want to watch, and we're not going to get bogged down by the details. And again, is that right or wrong? That's for someone else to decide, but that, that's just, it just is like, that's it. That, it just is. And um, so this is just another step in that direction. But I mean, half of the, the English premier soccer teams are owned by Middle Eastern countries now. And, um, you know, the, the fans, they, if, if your team is not owned by one of, by one of those interests, you're upset because you don't have the war chest to sign players. And like, uh, I think sports fans voted a long time ago that, that they just want sports to keep going and all these other things, um, they don't want to get bogged down in. A new collectively owned for-profit entity, period. End of story. Yeah. I mean... It's an important evolution for the PGA Tour because, as as a nonprofit, they were they were limited in what they could do, and there's been you know there were talks back last summer between Tiger and Rory and the guys at Rain Capital like what if we, what if we change the whole model where we could be for profit because then you can sell you can bring in equity partners you can you can do all kinds of things. Um, it was it was probably an outdated model that had to change and it, it just took it just took a thunderbolt like this and uh, so it, it it gives the tour a lot more flexibility going forward business-wise and, and how they can how they can um sorry sorry is, you know is, it, by, by getting out of that, that that charitable model they can still give all the money they want to charity but they they do become much more flexible as a business Alan, but now as I read that release today, and maybe I didn't understand this correctly, I thought that, well, just to read it straight from it, separately, PJ Turing will remain in place as a 501c6 tax-exempt organization that retains administrative oversight of events and those assets contributed by the PJ Tour. So does that mean the PJ Tour events that we've known for a long time will continue to be not for what tax part of the tax exempt system. Uh, I wasn't clear on that at all. Is the whole umbrella thing now a for-profit business or is there the separate thing, the PGA tour events that sort of goes down its old path? I, I think they're good. I think it's the latter where, I mean, the, the tour the tour has just been this umbrella organization. Like every tournament is its own entity that has its own charitable, um, you, you know, apparatus that runs the whole As thing. They always say you can't get the volunteers without that. Yeah, so, so I think that model will remain in place where these these events will will continue to be run locally 
and the money will go to the local charities. But as they integrate the live events and this larger schedule, that's going to become a for-profit business. And so it sounds like it's kind of the best of both worlds for the tour where they can, they can still keep the local control of their old traditional events. But now as they embark down this new road, this parallel organization will have a lot more flexibility in how it runs its business. You know, and that even though Live Golf has been a disaster uh, for ratings disaster, and it's very limited uh, sample that we have uh, on the CW, we did we have seen growing fan interest in terms of people actually showing up for tournaments, and it may indicate that young people, especially who didn't you know uh, grow up with uh, the game as the, as the three of us did, really don't care whether it's fifty four holes or seventy two holes. Really doesn't care if it's shotgun or not. Just want to have a good time and uh, and see competitive golf. As Alan has said many times, it's still a guy over a golf ball playing a shot. Um, you know, and it's still a very difficult thing to do well. So maybe that was part of the tea. In addition to the court system and other things at play here, um, that might have been a very big reality check for the for the PGA Tour. Along the same lines of, <clears throat> pardon me, when Callaway bought Top Golf. Who would have ever expected glorified driving ranges would become the engine of your business, this big business that made golf clubs? But that's what's happened because uh, you know, that's what young people want. Uh, young people. Uh, remember when Top? I remember when Top Golf came out. It was all everyone was allergic to it, acting as though that's not golf, that's not you know, that's not green grass, that's not. Now there's more people playing non-green grass golf than there is playing green grass golf. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. And again, business, never underestimate the power of the dollar. I have, I have four teenagers and their, their friends are like my focus group on all of this because they're, they're, some of them are into golf and they're way more into live golf than the PGA tour because live has, has much better social media stuff. It's much larger on TikTok. They they're, they're better on Instagram than the tour and they, they like the they like the music. They like the whole thing, and that's been very eye opening for me to realize like they they've bought into what's being sold, and they 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 it resonates with them. And Live has done a good job catering to that market. And again, Live has never really shown the receipts. We don't know where the data is derived from, but but they always say that two thirds of their audience is forty five and under. You can't underestimate how important that is. And even if it's not a huge audience, that's what everyone's been chasing forever. And if they can, if they can continue to grow that, that become that was a, that's a powerful force. And now the tour can tap into that. I mean, that it, it's like it, our people our age are always gonna gonna watch golf or older. But ha, if you can get people that like my my kids' age, that that's the whole business right there. And live live was making inroads, and I think the tour recognized that. The PGA Tour gets a fresh scorecard, a shedding of this old, white, fuddy-duddy skin that they needed to shed a long time ago. This is, you know, we've got, you know, on the heels of COVID and a resurgence of, of the amateur sort of, you know, game as we know it, gets to just, it, we, we get to like stop, you know, you know, we get to stop talking about all of this stuff and get to like, you know, 
of ranking the best. We get to root, you know, we get to see Patrick Reed versus Jordan Spieth on a regular bit. We get to see good yeah. guys versus bad guys kind of stuff again on a regular basis instead of what was going to be four times a year. I mean, oh, it's like one big sort of ayahuasca, you know, <laughs> purging <laughs> of of all of this stuff and i'm, I'm well here said. for it let's move on yeah good, good or bad for trump <laughs> <laughs> well so that's interesting i mean he's got a lot of other issues <laughs> yeah but he he now has he has two more two more live events on his courses and we, you know all he's ever wanted was to be the warm embrace of the golf world he's the rna won't go to turnberry the, the pga of america took away um, the PJ Championship, the tour took away his Doral event. I mean, he's been completely shut out of the game, and now all of a sudden he's back on the PJ Tour schedule. It, it's good for Trump for sure. Um, whether it's good for golf, and uh, that's a separate issue. But uh, he's he's gonna he's gonna be loving this, and he did. You know, we, we've talked about this. Trump has a uh, he he has this some kind of genius where he can predict the future, right? Like he said it, I could, I could shoot a guy in, on fifth Avenue and my supporters wouldn't care. I mean, he was right about that. Well, you remember his tweet about, he said all these PJ tour guys, they should go to live and take the money now. Cause when the merger comes, they're not going to get anything. I mean, he tweeted that months ago. <laughs> he was right. So, um, he's gonna, he's gonna be delighted by this whole thing. Um, let me, let me just address, I mean, my social media has been hilarious this morning. Um, is this the most important question? Of all this is this good or bad for my book? Right, like let's let's get down to the 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 real <laughs> the core issue here. Um, but uh, it's so funny. I turned it in two nights ago, and uh, it was a monumental effort to get to the finish line. Cl clearly, there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some new stuff. I'm gonna, the last chapter's out the window, but um, I, I I'm happy it happened when it did because if 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 all this stuff came down as the, after the book was printed, that would be really sad. So. I will be reporting my bottom off here and um, get the inside scoop on how all this played out and um, everything that led to this moment is so germane. I mean, that there's 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 so much backstory in in what was really happening behind the scenes. It's in the page of the book, so um, I'm I'm choosing to look on the bright side. The, the timing it wasn't too late, and uh, it, it kind of puts a bow on the whole thing. And uh, this will be the definitive account of of, of how it all played out. So. Um, I, the the comments on on my Twitter have been been quite funny. I, um, I'm not sad. I'm not curled up in the fetal position. I'm not in a dark room like Aaron Rodgers for three days. Like it's all good. This is this puts an exclamation point on this whole crazy project. So uh, I'll, I should when, carry on. When you hit send, honest, like you know what part of you felt like something like this might happen between the time you hit send and the time it actually, you know, was printed? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the whole last chapter was kind of looking into the future and, and I do talk at length about why it makes sense for a merger to happen and how it could look. So this is not a, a total shocker. Um, uh, and I was always going to have a chance to update it through probably through the British open you know, when there's probably going to be a resolution of some sorts of the world ranking. And um, so I, I was going to keep following this for the next couple months anyway. But um, yeah, that was always the great anxiety. You know, what could what could happen? Uh, it seemed like, the you know, the court cases could have gotten settled. That could have changed the structure of golf. Um, you know, I 
a, a merger always made sense. It always seemed inevitable the way things were going, but I think it's way sooner than anyone ever imagined. So I wasn't totally worried about that. I thought that was at, you know, that might happen in December, January, February, but the book would already have been out by then. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's wild that it happened when it did, but, uh, it's advantageous, I think, cause now, now it's changed, you know, this was always going to be the definitive account of how we got to this moment, but it was a little bit of a cliffhanger as how is it going to end? Well, now we know the ending. So, uh, I'm, I'm happy. I, I think, I think this is kind of a best case scenario, but even though it's going to be a hell of a lot more work, <laughs> um, it's okay. Um, I'll, I'll power through. Well, well, while we're, while we're addressing some internal stuff, we should also make note of our sponsorship and dormy workshop, which makes quality leather goods and on the firepitcollective.com in our pit shop, we are have a limited supply only of a new fire pit head cover by dormy workshop, which comes with a little matching pouch. And, uh, so go to firepitcollective.com and support the cause. But Alan, how many, how many live events have you gone to? Oh, I'd have to total that up. I mean, most of them, <laughs> you could, I could say that it's, um, I was, I was, uh, I didn't do the big international ones, but, uh, you know, I was, I was certainly, and it was interesting cause I was in Mexico and I was in Tucson at the start of this year and things were, were changing fast and you could feel the jitters because the, the, the PIF guys is sort of taking control and they were mandating, there was a lot more governance. There was a lot more oversight last year they were, they were just trying to launch. It was very chaotic in the wake of Phil's comments, everything, everything was happening really fast and they were spending like crazy cause they just had to get it off the ground. And the start of this year, um, it was edgy. I mean, someone who's really dialed into what's happening out there on live said to me coming out of, out of Tucson, he's like, I'm worried about this whole thing. Like it's, we're on the edge right now. The, there, there's a, the players, uh, were, we're feeling the anxiety because uh, they basically live accelerated schedule by a full year. You know, the, the team bill that wasn't supposed to happen until 2024, but they very smartly said, this is the best thing we have going. Let's accelerate it. And so, um, you know, there's only originally there's only gonna be 10 events this year and 14 next year, they moved that up. And so there was this, this feeling of, of the ground was shifting beneath their feet. And there was, there were a lot of jitters and then, then they went to Australia and that was a, a huge shot of adrenaline for the whole organization and confidence. And people kind of said, okay, I can see what, what live golf is going to be. You know, we're going to go to these markets. We're going to, we're going to go to places where they haven't seen big time golf. And, um, coming out of that, there was a wholly, totally different feeling like, okay, we've kind of found our footing. You know, the Tulsa event was by far the biggest crowds they'd ever had domestically. You had the masters, you had Brooks win the PGA, like, there was a real momentum out there. So, um, I've never, I, I never felt like Liv was gonna, I've always talking to the people at the top, like they, they have, they've had 10 year models, financial models, like they have, they have commitments going way out into the future. So I was never worried that Liv was gonna, was gonna go away, but it felt like there was, there was, there was, there was tense internally as it was sort of this battle for supremacy. Part of that was, you know, this guy, Majid El Soror, he'd, he'd been the day-to-day um, shot caller. He got pushed out. Like there was a lot happening behind the scenes. And um, so I, I feel like this is the best thing that could have happened to live clearly. Like their future is now defined. Their their mission is clear. And uh, 
there's there's just there's been a resolution that that, that that was needed because it was a very freewheeling kind of energy around that place. They were making it up as they went along, and uh, it worked. Like they got what they wanted, um, but uh, th- things are going to settle down now. There, now the tumult's going to begin on the PGA Tour. Like selling this to the players, pushing this through all the various boards finalizing the schedule what it all means that it's kind of like the burden the burden has shifted you know live had to prove it was viable it had to it had to launch um it did it had enough success that the tour had to had to re- you know it was a reckoning for the tour and, and so so now now the the burden of proof is on the pga tour to make this work and uh so it's it's incredible how fast this is all flipped michael where do you, where do you where do you how do you make peace? How do you make peace with all this? Where do you go from here? I mean, your purity is, is, has been compromised. I feel like in terms of like (laughs) now what for now, what for a guy like you? I mean, it kind of goes to what you said earlier, Matt, you know, they, they can't take golf away from me, the game that you and I have loved, you know, all our lives. Um, It kind of makes me double down on my own, golfing experience, playing golf with my friends. That's how I started in this game, and that has sustained me all my life. Nothing nothing changes uh, uh, there. If anything, it probably only makes it uh, a little deeper. You know, I, I, I don't think I'm different than anybody else. I'm always trying to learn something about how the world really works. So, uh, you know, I have my own idealism and standards, uh, you know, I think Brooks Koepka uh, lied his way out of that thing on the 15th at, at Augusta this year. I think it would have been much better for everybody had he just said, yes, yeah, something happened there and taken the shots, but that's not what happened. So you can have your own little vision of how the world should work, and that's great, and we all have that. And then if you want to be a person at large in the world, you better try to understand how the world really works. And You know, this hour, 20 minutes we've been together has been a discourse for me in it. Uh, Watching uh, Jay Monaghan's body language with Yasir, you know, has been part of it. Um, Seeing as we've, you know, you guys have have lined up the, you know, the the Raytheon comment and the the judicial process and how that comes together. The crowds at, where do they really have the big crowds? Was it in, in... in the uh, Tucson event, Australia and and Tulsa Australia as well. Yeah, 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 Tulsa. Excuse me, and uh, so. You know, it, it's it's both, Matt. It's uh, uh, you're, you know, we're, we're it is another illustration of everything that uh, you learn from reading, you know, Shakespeare and Mario Puzo and everything else. How the world <laughs> really works. You can't put your head in the in the sand and ignore it. Um, uh, and uh, life's interesting. Uh, and it's. I don't know. I think it's kind of, I feel kind of, I feel personally queasy about this thing because I think money is corrupting in general. I mean, I know Alan only said this innocently, but Alan's question, is it good for the book? I mean, that there's a question of commerce behind that. Um, you know, the book should be the book. If people get drawn to the book or not, well, that's sort of like out of your control. But in fact, but the world, the real world is, yeah, this is good for the book. More people interested in how this whole live thing got to where it is. So I think money is corrupting. It troubles me on every level. Uh, 
and I think we're seeing it here. Um, you know, Monaghan had a stand and Rory had a stand and, uh, and money collapsed those stands. Um, but also, okay, now what are you going to learn from that, that you're going to apply to your own life and how you think about life and how you vote and how you read and everything else. Well, that, that's really well said. I, that's a, probably a great place to end it because it it's a complicated day for golf, not, not just the logistics of how this is going to work, but emotionally for all of us. Like We've been on this roller coaster ride for the last, you know, essentially a year. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, almost a year to the day since Liv held its first tournament. But there was this, this long drum beat leading up to it, including the Mickelson comments. Um, but even beyond that, um, the, the whole issue... <laughs> my cats on the keyboard can I hear a cat um you know all the uh it started with the pgl i mean th- this has been a background issue in, at the highest levels of professional golf for five years six years i mean the, the first news break about the uh about the pgl was in 2018 and it, it's it's ho- this has hovered over the sport and so we finally know how the story ends so some details to be sorted but uh, quite a quite a thunderbolt here on Tuesday morning, June 6th. Uh, we will continue to make sense of all of this here at the Fire Pit Collective. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some typing done in the coming days and probably some more podcasting. But I think this was this was a great opening salvo to um, to understand what just happened. So, Michael Bamberger, Matt Janella, uh, appreciate all your thoughts here. We're going to wrap up this podcast, um, but we'll be back in your ear soon. So, thanks for listening. That's the end. I bet big and I played to win. Made a fortune when my ship came in. I ran the table, never thought I could fall. Then the winter time hit me like a cannonball. And now I can't shake this losing streak. Every road I take is a dead end street. I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about I got thoughts in my head, can't get them out Trying not to think what I'm thinking about spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, 
Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.